two dudes getting high on life. This is the Max Level Podcast. Welcome home. For the uninitiated, Max Level is a weekly breakfast powwow brought to you by RPGera.com. I'm your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this week, he is the host of The Media Files every single Friday. It is Kyle. Good morning, Brian. Good morning to you. It's a snowy morning over here. It's snowing oh, it's, outside. It's just a chilly girl out here. I don't know what it is. It's a, oh my gosh, it's 28 right now. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive for Vegas. She's a chilly one. We went out yeah. last night, and I was all bundled up. Everyone's like, are you okay? I was like, no, I don't live here for this. 28 over there right now. It's 31 outside here. Okay. So it's warmer here, but it's snowing like crazy outside right now. Yeah, see, we just don't have the precipitation to have snow. If there if there was precipitation, it would be snowing. We just don't get it that. It would be snowing. Yep, yeah. It would be snowing. And not though, granted, it has snowed out there a few times. It snowed out here a few times recently. Yeah, like oh, in yeah, the last, that's true. In, in the last few years, we've had two or three snows. That's true. I I remember living out there when when I was out there. It was a few times, like maybe once or twice when I, the eight years I was out there, we got some snow. Yeah, it's not very common. It's not very common. No, not very common at all. But it is common over here. <laughs> Special shout out to Occam's Laser for a majority of the music you hear today during the show. Go check them out wherever you can find music and people, including YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You'll be disappointed. Please take a moment and do us a favor if you'd be so kind. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or whichever app you've chosen to listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and a review. It really does help us out in terms of visibility so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well. Patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers. See what we're doing. If you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continue to listen to the episodes as they upload each week works wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexx and Zanku. Kyle, I know we, we have a little bit of a, of a period here at the end of each year where things tend not to happen as much in this industry. And also, you know, being the holiday season, we have Christmas coming up this weekend, New Year's next weekend. It is generally a slow time for for the game industry. And for us to get down and, you know, not get down, I guess get down as well, but sit down to... Gonna get down. <laughs> Sit down to record. I think uh, next week you are potentially unavailable. I think I think I might be available next week, but the week okay. after probably not, and then the week after definitely not. So it's just it, it's one thing after another, especially with all the holidays falling on the weekends this year. Yeah, it's a little a little rough this year. So obviously we you know we recorded our game awards wrap up, which by the time you're hearing this will have posted. It's kind of out of order, right, and a little delayed, but also trying to stretch things out to to take up as much time as possible for the rest of this year because we just don't know when we're really going to be able to sit down and record content over the next few weeks. Right. We do have stuff lined up. We have stuff planned. We obviously have our 2023 crystal ball predictions to make in the future. We have our Q1 2023 Thunderdome coming up. So we have some exciting episodes. We just need to figure out when that shit's going to post and when we're going to be able to record it. So what we're doing this week is something a little bit different. It is a a much... Well, I guess last week was kind of different as well, but... Um, we, we reordered the podcast for, for that Game Awards recap. This week, we're just doing our personal awards, our RPG era awards. You and I have not played anything new over the last week, so we don't have anything for what's new with you. There are several games I wish I would have played over the last seven days. I really want to jump into High on Life. I've been watching some people stream that on Twitch. The humor in that game is really resonating with me. I, I really enjoy that, and I, I, wanted, I kind of want to experience it myself. I installed Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII Reunion. Have not jumped into that yet. I did reinstall The Witcher 3 for the next-gen update. Haven't jumped into that yet. Yeah, I've got I've got a whole list of things that are installed that I haven't played. River 
City Girls 2. I need to play that. You should you wait for play- a patch for that one is what everybody's saying. The performance is bad. That's what I've heard. That's what I've yeah. heard. Uh, Melatonin came out this past week. I know you were kind of looking yeah. forward to that. We've had a lot of things come out over the last seven days and just no time at the moment to to jump into any of this stuff for me. So neither one of us have anything new for what's new with you. So so we don't really have that. Uh, news has been sort of light. Um, don't really have anything new to talk about this week. So we're just doing our personal, and of course, obviously, there's no releases this week because of Christmas and the holidays. So we're just going to do our awards. And yes. we're doing our awards differently this year. If you noticed previously, right, I guess the last several years that we've done, whether we called them the RPG Era Awards or the Level Down Game Awards, we always came out with some nominees, right? We did some voting and then we would sit down, we would each kind of list where we had them and we would kind of go from there based on points to see what our winner would be. It's just me and you this year. Yes. It's just us. We lost Sean. You know, As Sean, it should be. Sean disappeared on us. Dan disappeared on us. Sev likely would have been available, um, but he started a new job and hasn't been able to get much time off from Not work a good as of late. Eh, well, I know, but still. And uh, who else did we ever have on this show? Sean, Dan, Sev. Frank. Frank. Yeah, he has. it's been years. I don't even count Frank anymore. Um, that's it. So just the two of us. And instead of listing our, because we're going to have a lot of similar games on our lists this year. And I think instead of listing our order and assigning points and trying to come up with a, you know, be all end all winner for each category, we are just going to list, you know, my game of the year, your game of the year, right? So we theoretically have two winners for each category unless we come up with the same game and then we just have one. Right. Well, and if we can come up to a consensus also and one of us is able to persuade the other person, I think. That could happen. That might happen. That could happen. So we are we are going to do, we're going to, you know, do this a little differently this year and because it is just two of us, we decided to just focus on the more interesting categories. So we are skipping, you know, best action adventure, best role playing, best fighting, best fam. You know what I mean? We're skipping all that stuff this year. Right. We're just going to do the more fun categories, the, uh, what, what would you call them? The more... Fo- the important Yeah, categories. the important. I was, I was trying to, I was going to think like the more focused category, but I don't know yes, if that's focused, true. But also the ones that are more fun to find the awards to, right? Yeah. Uh, are they are they ambiguous? Probably not. Um, I don't know. There's a word that I was trying to think of that I'm just, that I'm just not coming up with right now. So. Broad. Ah, that's good. But yeah. it's not, but it's also more focused. I don't know. That's the opposite of focused. It is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, who knows? I really don't know either. So I say we just go ahead and jump into this because, like I said, there is no rhyme, reason, or structure to this episode whenever it does upload. Probably, you know, there will be no music in the background. We won't have the old Sean Waltman lightning round. We won't have the new release roulette music. We might have a Kickstarter later, depending on if time allows. But uh, we're just going to jump right in to our RPG Era Awards for 2022, and we'll probably probably just go in the order that I sent you last night because I sent you the categories we were going to just focus on. So we will kick things off with our soundtrack of the year. Let's do it. All Let's right. do it. Soundtrack of the year. Who goes first, me or you? Uh, I don't care. It's up I've to got, you. I've got three or four games for each category. I technically, well, for this one, I have five, I guess. Oh, geez. Okay. But okay. for most of them, I have, I think the lowest I have is two for one category, but the most I have is probably this category here where I came up with five. Okay. Okay. 
I, I generally I, have I, two or three for each. I think I easily could have gone to five on this one, but I didn't. Yeah. So, you know, I'll just go first on this one. Okay. Um, this 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 award usually ties in to BG Mania, a video game music podcast that Bedroth and I do, hopefully, typically every week. I know with the way I upload podcast episodes, that generally is not always the case. But for me, I, I think this was a pretty strong year for video game soundtracks. Actually, Bedroth and I later tonight, as of the day you and I are recording this, which is December 17th, will be sitting down to... To record our best of 2022 episode where we focus on 14 of the biggest soundtracks that released in 2022 so if you are interested in video game music and you know this this type of content is enjoyed by uh, that was a weird way to say that if you enjoy this type of content say is enjoyed by you but um we we have 14 games and i think Actually, no. Not every game on my list is going to make that episode. Uh, we, we did forego one of the ones on my list. I'll be curious to see what you came up with. But number five on my list is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge. I thought that was a, a pretty incredible soundtrack this year. You know, much a, a big throwback. T. Lopez doing the music for that. Uh, a nice throwback to the Turtles arcade games and, and the way that those sounded back in the day. Really did enjoy that soundtrack when it came out. Number four, and these are just my honorable mentions, which is why I'm kind of quickly going through those. Number four was Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which I listened to that entire soundtrack. from. I haven't finished the game. I'm still only 12 hours in. But I did listen to the entire soundtrack from start to finish for an episode of BG Mania that we did earlier this year. And absolutely loved it. Still not as strong, I think, as Xenoblade Chronicles 2 in terms of soundtrack, but really, really well done. And then number three for me is Cursed to Golf. Okay. A little indie game that came out earlier this year. Yeah. Composed by someone I know you really enjoy because he also did a short hike, Mark Sparling. Yes, absolutely. Great freaking chiptune soundtrack. I still haven't played this game. It's it's pretty damn good, man. And even if you don't play the game, you should listen to the music because I know you would absolutely fall in love with with the music but uh that brings me down to my top two do you have anything besides two how many do you have here i have three here okay and in my in my number three spot is god of war ragnarok okay that's in my top two i was about to say that's probably going to be your top two now i'm also cheating with my number two here but i think it's okay that's fine yeah i think it's okay because god of war ragnarok i have at number three and i uh i guest hosted bg mania with you to talk about that soundtrack because you did i do enjoy that soundtrack which so very still much. hasn't uploaded yet either that's all dude i have so much recorded content right now <laughs> that has not posted we're sitting on a gold mine sitting on fucking money right now uh number two for me and, and if you want to hear more about the god of war soundtrack i think you could go back and listen to that, listen, Mania listen to that episode yeah, we talk about it and we play 14 tracks. But uh, you could go back and listen to this BG Mania episode too. Number two for me is Wrath of the Lich King Classic. Okay, see, I, I was wondering if either of us would pull from, from Wrath of the Lich King Classic and I did a little bit later on. Uh, but not for this one here. But I, I, I agree. Um, I think that it is a stellar soundtrack, right? Warcraft, you can never go wrong with Warcraft music generally, especially the older soundtracks. Um, they are stellar. But Wrath is Wrath is a special soundtrack, so I don't blame you there. And it, I mean, it fits. It's the classic version. It's a, it's technically different. Technically. Yeah. And it's so good. It's so, so good. And it's just, it's, it's incredible music. I think it's probably my favorite Warcraft soundtrack overall. Yep. I agree. I agree. 
So uh, that's what I got at number two. Number two for me, which means I think we're going to have the same game at number one. We have to at this point, right? Number two for me is God of War Ragnarok. So I would have had that at number two. I think Ragnarok's... And God of War Ragnarok was the winner of the official Game Awards soundtrack of the year. And I I think it's deserved, right? I mean, I think it is a great soundtrack, a phenomenal soundtrack. Bear McCreary really, really shined on this soundtrack. And like you said, that BG Mania episode we did together for... For, for the soundtrack is absolutely stellar. Um, really, really emotional pieces of music throughout for, for a game that does have a lot of emotion baked into it. I really enjoyed what we had in the soundtrack for Ragnarok. But there was one game that I feel like blew me away with its soundtrack earlier this year. And I hope you have it at number one as well. I'm sure I do. And that's Elden Ring. Oh, no, actually. No? no. <laughs> what, what do you have at number one? My soundtrack's Metal Hellsinger, man. Oh, see, I didn't put Metal Hellsinger on my list. Yeah, Metal Hellsinger's my soundtrack of the year. Um, this is I didn't this put is... Metal Hellsinger on my list, and I'll tell you why in a second. Okay, yeah, this this is the one soundtrack that I've gone back to over and over again throughout the year. Uh, I've I've listened to this soundtrack start to finish probably a dozen times. There are multiple tracks on here that I've gone back and listened to multiple times, uh, including the final boss soundtrack, which is a song called No Tomorrow by Serge Tankian from System of a Down. This, which is your top track of this year. It's my music. number one track of the year. Not just video game tracks. Um, all tracks taken combined in general. I posted my top ten tracks of the year on my Instagram page that I do for the Media Files and we'll put out a Media Files episode next week of Lindsay and I talking about a few of our tra- favorite tracks of the year. But No Tomorrow by Serge Tankian is my favorite song of this year. I have listened to this song on repeat so many times while in and out of the gym, while driving in the car. It's been the soundtrack to my year. Here's why I didn't choose Metal Hellsinger. I haven't played it. I know. (laughs) So I, for my awards... I only chose games that I played. Okay, fair enough. Fair so enough. even though I know Metal Health Singer is a phenomenal soundtrack, and I, you know, I, you and I both thought, and when we did our predictions for what was going to win Game of the or Soundtrack of the Year at the official Game Awards, you and I both predicted Metal Health Singer and said it should win. And theoretically, it should. If right. you and I were doing this as like that type of thing, right? Like where we were just doing an overall what should win, I would say Metal Hellsinger. But because we changed the format of our awards this year and we were doing like our personal choices, I went with just things that I have played because that should be what I choose from. So that's kind of where I, if I had played Metal Hellsinger, I would say it would fall above Elden Ring for me and be a number one. Elden Ring would have then been two, God of War three and so on. Right. Um, but because I haven't played it yet, I just left it out and I went with Elden Ring as my number one, which I will say Elden Ring soundtrack is, is pretty special, right? There are a lot of epic, epic pieces of music in that soundtrack, especially when you get to some of the boss battles you know it, the the bigger boss battles in Elden Ring yeah um, we had so many composers that contributed to the soundtrack Tsukasa Saito Shoi Miyazawa Tai Tomosawa Yuka Kitamura and Yoshimi Kudo are the ones that are listed for Elden Ring soundtrack um, you think of some of those later bosses as you as you progress through the game and how epic some of those pieces of music are like a 
Oh man, the uh, what was I see? It's been so long. I'm forgetting some of the boss names at this point. But the one in Callum, where you have to like race up to him to even start fighting him, and at all the while he's like throwing shit at you as you move towards him. Oh, uh, that's Radagon. Radagon, thank you. Like yeah, that, the that star, track the there, Starfaller or whatever his name is, right? is General. Epic, dude. Yes, that track is epic. The Godskin Apostles is epic. Like yes. there are some really, really impressive pieces of music on this soundtrack and it absolutely blew me away uh just you know barely edged out god of war for the stuff that i physically played in terms of what my soundtrack of the year would have been so i went with elden ring but i do not you know fault metal hellsinger had i played it it likely would have been my number one right because it's I we've already listened to the soundtrack. I mean, it's so good. We did an episode of BG Mania on that one too. Mm-hmm. Like it's fucking awesome. It's, it's a amazing. great soundtrack. Yeah, it's, it's just my incredible. type of music. Yeah. It's metal. It's it's what I absolutely love. But to be fair, I went with things that I've played. So that might mean you and I have a little bit of differences here because that's okay. This is this is the lightest year in terms of games that I have actually finished and went through. I've only finished what I think I'm at 28 games or something like that for this year. So far and you are approaching 40 i'm approaching 40 and i should be by 40 at 40 by the end of the year yeah yeah so you've played a significant amount more games than i have this year so um it's just been a rough year for me in terms of getting through shit sure that's okay we we hand out awards best we know how damn it yeah that's all you don't like all right, it so that's co-champions fine. for this one co-awards co-awards elden ring metal hellsinger i'm okay yep. with that i'm okay with it i'm okay with it and then we move on to best narration slash story the game that we thought had the most impressive narrative throughout. And I'll let you go first on this one. Oh, all right. So I, I've got three here. I do too. And uh, this one, this is where things start to get a little repetitive for me. And I'll, I'll explain that. I, I think that so many of these games pop up in so many categories because they're Agreed. great games. Yeah, no, I, I have the same thing. Like, Two or three games pop up almost for every category, which is sad, but it happens. Yeah, I'm totally okay with it too. It's okay, um, but I I do have some some uh, sleeper picks here and there. No pun intended, okay. as we're okay, gonna okay. see. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, number three for me is uh, Plague Tale Requiem, a game that. I knew I was going to be playing primarily for the story and a game that I've not quite finished yet, uh, but I am, I mean, I'm, I'm deep into it, right? I haven't just started it. I've played multiple hours of it. Uh, I'm deep into it and I will finish it before too long, uh, but I've thoroughly enjoyed what they've done with the story here and how they've progressed the story forward. It's number three on my list too, actually. Yeah. Um, I think you you might be a little bit further than I am in a Plague Tale Requiem. I don't remember where you are or I don't how remember far. exactly what chapter I'm on, but I I'm, I'm past the halfway mark. Okay, I'm on chapter, and I don't know what the halfway mark is. Um, I'm on chapter seven. Okay, you're getting so, there. Okay, um, but just like you, I am primarily playing this game for the story because I fell in love with A Plague Tale Innocence's story when it came out several years ago. Right. Um, I thought it was a phenomenal experience. I generally just played that for the story. Gameplay was good. I think the gameplay in A Plague Tale Requiem is good, but really it is about the story for me. Um, I, I've been really enjoying it. And I'm excited to see where it concludes in Requiem because so many people, I mean, a lot of people have been talking about the story. So I know it's got to go somewhere. Right. But I really have enjoyed it so far, too. So that was my number three. And number two for me, I think this is where we're going to deviate a little bit. 
Number two for me is God of War Ragnarok. Okay. Um, a game that I'm also not finished with yet, but I'm quickly approaching that. Uh, but it's been it's been absolutely stellar. I think it's been a, a perfect sequel so far to God of War 2018. And I have a super soft spot for father son stories. I think that this is I mean, I mean, what more can be said about God of War Ragnarok than has already been said? But on top of everything else that's amazing about this game, the story is just impeccable. Number two for me was Horizon, uh, Horizon Forbidden West. I knew we would split here. Yeah, number that was number two for me. Um, a game that you really didn't enjoy much. But... I enjoyed so many things about it and did not enjoy <laughs> so many other things about it. I uh, obviously I, I was a big fan of Forbidden West when it came out earlier this year. I did put it on hold, right? I kind of after it released Elden Ring came out a week later. And once that released, I couldn't put that down. So I did continue to play that until I finished it and then went back to Forbidden West afterward. Um, but the story in Forbidden West really took me by surprise. The it went in so many places and directions that I wasn't expecting it to. And sets up a really interesting plot point and, you know, direction for the third game when it eventually comes out in a few years to where Aloy and companions will go, right? It, it's going to be interesting how they pull this off and, and what they decide to do. But I was not expecting the the direction that Forbidden West went, and I'm okay with it. I like that direction. I really like what Zero Dawn had as well in terms of, you know, the, the resetting of the world after a big apocalyptic event and, you you know, kind of mm -hmm. humanity coming back and, you know, kind of refining their ways, but also going back to like caveman times to an extent, you know what I mean? Like rebuilding from there, but Forbidden West had something cool. I'm trying not to spoil it. I know you know what I'm what I'm talking about because you finished it as well, but it, it's going to go someplace crazy and, and is, diving yeah. more into sci-fi and I'm okay with that. I'm just curious to see how they pull it off. But yeah, I really enjoyed the story. There were some things I didn't like about Forbidden West overall, but the story really, really hooked me. That was my number two. Number one for me, and I think for you this will be no surprise, but number one for me is Citizen Sleeper. Yeah, that's definitely, I had a feeling you would go there. Yeah. Uh, Citizen Sleeper is a game that has almost no graphics at all, right? There are, there are static graphics on screen that you kind of scroll around and click on things, and then static graphics of characters that pop up and dialogue that pops up as they talk to you and you choose dialogue options back for them. Um, it's a it's a game of menus and dialogue and dice and this game has to ride entirely on the story, on the narration. And because of the choices that you make in this game, because of the characters that you meet in this game, that's what pushed this up to the top of the this, uh, this award for me. This game um, made me really emotional in multiple parts and I'd be sitting there with Lindsay and both of us would just be, I mean, silent, silent reading these things going on on screen. And I couldn't believe some of these characters that you're interacting with. And I got choked up in a couple of parts. These stories are so touching. Uh, they are so heartbreaking sometimes. And I like sci-fi a lot anyways, but to bring, I think that, I think the beauty of sci-fi is when you bring humanity multiple centuries into the future, right? And bring it, you know, back down to earth where it's very real and it's tales that could be told in medieval times, right? And this game just does it perfectly. These characters are so incredible. They're unforgettable. Some of the stories that happen in this game, there's multiple plot lines that are going at any given point and they all interweave 
breathe just beautifully. Uh, and it's unforgettable. It's absolutely unforgettable for me. I'm curious if I would have had this on my list for this category had I played Citizen Sleeper. I, I still can't believe have you haven't played it. Gosh, played I've been it. yelling at you to play it for nine months. I know. I still have not jumped into it. It is still available on Game Pass. I do still have it installed. I will still play it eventually. Um, I'm curious if it would have landed on my list had I played through it. I, I assume it probably would have, but my number one is your number two, which is God of War Ragnarok. Yeah. Um, I really, really was impressed with what um, Santa Monica Studio did with Ragnarok following up the story from 2018's God of War reboot and much like Citizen Sleeper was really emotional for you I think there were a lot of points in God of War Ragnarok that were really emotional for me playing through this game Um, I I was thoroughly impressed with the character development or continued character development I should say of both Kratos and Atreus Um, you know their, their dynamic between the two of them was so much bigger and so much stronger than what we had in 2018's God of War and then introducing characters like Anger Boda and, you know, some some really important characters that led to not only the emotional aspect of the journey for me, but just the narration as well and, and making it even stronger. I think Freya shined in this game too in terms of the actual narration. Um, obviously, the dwarves, Brock and Sindri, lead and lend so much much to the actual narration in Ragnarok. Absolutely. And Mimir, to be honest. Mimir, absolutely, yeah. Mimir adds such huge value to this game narratively. It's really impressive how they managed to to bring this all together in this journey. Um, really looking forward to you finishing this game so you can kind of know everything that I know about this and we can talk further on it where we think the series might go after this. But um, I, I had a hard time going with anything else besides God of War Ragnarok for best narration this year. Fair enough. But I mean, again, it was number two for me for a reason, right? And it's right there. Uh, I, You know, with Citizen Sleeper, with, with God of War Ragnarok, there are are so many other reasons to play that game right it's beautiful yeah. the score is amazing the action is great the graphic i mean you could you can name a thousand reasons and for citizen sleeper i can name one yeah and the it's, story it's the great story <laughs> right so so it, that one had to come in at number one for me just because that's that's the hook of that game. Okay, okay, okay. I respect that. I respect that. So we are split again on uh, Good. on best narration. Yeah. Fantastic. I think we're going to be split on most of these categories this I year. I think we will too. Not all of them, but I think we will be. And I think this next one we will be also. Oh, yeah. This next one we will be too. So for best narration story, we, we've got two again, God of War Ragnarok and Citizen Sleeper. All right. I like it. Moving into the Golden Gizmo Award, which is an award that we introduced last year. Frank actually came up with the name on this one, which I still appreciate. I don't think we'll ever get rid of because it's it's freaking dope. Paying tribute to, to my, my, my Pekingese Gizmo that passed away last year. Um, this is Best Companion in a Game. And I had to really think about this one because there have been some good companions this year. And there's been some really good ones. Yeah. And also what defined a companion, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, going to get into that. <laughs> so I had to think about that too. Um, number three on my list. I have three actually. For this I have one. three. Number three on my list is Alva from Horizon Forbidden West. A okay. traditional companion. Good. A traditional companion. My other two are not traditional companions. 
Alva is a traditional companion. Okay, okay. Um, you know, she she accompanies you on several main story missions as you get further and further into Forbidden West, right? Because she's the final member of your cast, if right. you want to call it that, that you come across, right? She, I forget the name of her people, but they are the ones that are like in the islands of San Francisco. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and, you know, you, as you progress toward the end of the game, she's the one that kind of joins up with Aloy and her friends and comes back to your base afterward. I really enjoyed her quirky personality and her overall tone. I thought she was a really cool character. She ended up being my favorite new character introduced in Forbidden West. Um, and again, traditional companion. My other two are not. So she's my number three, though. Am I, should I do my number three? Yeah, go with your number three. All right. This one, I think, is cheating. And that's why it's at my number three. I, I Not a slide on the character, but I do think that it's cheating a little bit. But that's Atreus. Um, okay, Atreus, okay, okay. Atreus acts as a companion for a, a good portion of the game, but is also a playable character for parts of the game as well. And and so I, I don't think that he entirely counts as a companion for that reason. Right. He's another character. Right. Which is why I left him off my list. Actually. Right. right. I but the parts where he is a companion in the portions of the game where he is a companion, they did so much to increase his utility in fights, uh, so much to increase his utility in the world in terms of using Atreus to help you solve puzzles, I think was absolutely brilliant. They really increased his value in this game as a companion. So he makes it to number three for me. Number two for me is Torrent from Elden Ring. Okay. All right. So again, kind of skirting the line of what a companion actually is because Torrent by and large is a mount, right? But you also utilize him in terms of exploration and even at times puzzle solving. So I I think the way that From Software implemented Torrent as not only a mount, but also you know, really, the some some larger gameplay elements were designed around Torrent. Combat designed around Torrent in a lot of areas. I think this is probably, hopefully, a model that FromSoft will utilize for future open world games that they do, because not every game that they do is open world. I'm curious to know if Armored Core 6 is going to be open world. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see how they implement it. Yeah, I'm excited to see what really, because we know that, as we mentioned before, that it's not going to be a, a Soulsborne-like game, but that doesn't mean it might not have an open world because uh, Elden Ring was the first FromSoft game to really feature an open world. And if they go back to that in the future, I'll be curious to know if they implement something like that with, with their, you know, uh, traversal system, whether it's a mount or something different. But Torrent ended up falling at number two for me. I thought they, they implemented him really well. And again, number two a little for bit me, of cheating. A little bit cheating. And I'm going to cheat num- a little bit my, too for my, my number, number one. My number one is an absolute cheat. Yeah, me. Yeah. My number one's a cheat. Um, but number two for me is Hugo from A Plague Tale Requiem. Um, I, th- I respect that. Yeah, I think that Hugo classifies as a as a true companion. I do too. I do too. Uh, and again, kind of in the way that Atreus works in God of War Ragnarok. You do play as him a little bit. A little bit, yes, but to a much lesser extent. You also use him so brilliantly throughout multiple parts of the game to solve puzzles. Right there yeah, are there are absolutely. a lot of parts of a Plague Tale Requiem where you are you are 
either talking Hugo through a solution to something or he is talking you through a solution to something and you guys have to work together in some really, really brilliant ways. And as Amicia, you get to kind of command him to go to different spots right? and he will go and do some action at that spot while you have to take care of other things. It's, I think it's, again, really intelligent use of companion companionship in a game. Uh, and Hugo also, I think, has the opportunity to be a very annoying character, as little boys often are. Trust me, I know. Uh, <laughs> and he's not. I think he comes off uh, very charming in many ways. And so Hugo winds up at number two for me. Okay, okay. Who's who's your who's the Hugo in your household? Oh boy, none of them are that talented. Okay, well, fair yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah. My personal choice for the Golden Gizmo this year, best companion in a game. And again, this is absolutely cheating. Let's hear it. I went with the Proto Drakes from World of Warcraft Dragonflight. Okay. 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 A, not a traditional mount because you cannot use these anywhere else except the Dragon Isles. Mm -hmm. It is the only continent where dragon riding is enabled i'm hoping in the future you will be able to use them elsewhere like after this expansion they just open it up to be used elsewhere in the world you know like back in the you know like uh eastern kingdoms or sure. Callum. like i'd be sick to just go around riding your dragon because they fly at 810 percent speed it's incredible but the amount of gameplay that was implemented around these proto drakes is phenomenal the proto drakes themselves there's four of them to start with i i they may add more in the future but you have four that you will unlock throughout the course of the story as you go through zone to zone, right? You will get four of them. And the amount of content they built around them, they have their own talent trees that you can spec into and you can change your talents to, to make them different in terms of the abilities that they have or what they're able to do. There are races in the world in each of the different zones that you can go in and try to get a bronze medal, a, uh, a silver medal or a gold medal. There are glyphs that you fly around to obtain that change the um, appearance of your proto drakes to where you can custom them to look however you want and there's even an entire dungeon designed around the usage of your proto drakes and dragon riding to where the dun so one of the zones in the dragon isles is called the onaran plains or something like that and one of the dungeons is called the Noka Defensive. And that dungeon is just the Onaran Plains zone with bosses in the different camps for these people that you're interacting with throughout the leveling experience. And you, you know, you'll fly around, you utilize the, the wind streams and everything that you have to stay up in the air. You land, you fight the boss, you get back on your dragon, you fly to... It's, it's really cool design. Um, how they're implementing flight and mounting in some in, in that particular dungeon. Obviously, you could always mount ground mounts in dungeons, right, and ride around if there was no trash in between. But for the entire dungeon to be built around the usage of your mount was really cool to me. Um, what Blizzard decided to do with the dragon riding in making that feel so much different from your normal ground mount, flying mount experience, I really enjoyed it. And I feel like they classify as a companion because you do get to customize 
them, you don't get to customize your other mounts, right? You do get to fully customize these mounts just like you would a character in Warcraft, right? You can change their color, you can change their hair, you can change their scales, you can change their tail, you can change what what their appearance looks There's so many different options that you have to change these mounts or these companions as I'm calling them. And, and they do act as your companion throughout. Like, you need them. It's not like a mount to where you didn't need it. You need these proto-drakes in the Dragon Isles. That was my number one. That's a good one, man. And that's that's kind of the one thing that's made me want to play Dragonflight more than anything else, I think, is the dragon riding. Dude, it's so fun. I know. It looks awesome. Number one for me is a little bit cheating as well, uh, but I, I think it's less cheating than yours, actually. But <laughs> uh, number one for me is Alexander. Alexander from Elden Ring? Yes, sir. Okay, the pot. The pot. The pot. Alexander appeared initially in kind of a six-minute trailer for Elden Ring that came out a few months prior to it. And it wasn't even a combat trailer. It was just a trailer of the player character talking to Alexander where you first find him stuck in the That's ground. That's a good choice, man. And it he adds, you know, in this in this world that really doesn't have a ton of explicit story laid out for you, right? And there is. There is. There's obviously story bits to be found around the world. There are characters that are so well acted and so well fleshed out. And mm-hmm. I think chief amongst them for me is Alexander. And he becomes a summon for you later in the game where you can, you know, bring him into battles and and let him kind of do fights for you and stuff. And he always is chock full of personality and he's funny, but he's also incredibly noble and strong and and tough and a pot. He's a pot. (laughs) He's a pot and a, a ceramic pot with arms and legs. And also ends up having some neat little story bits with the other animated pots with arms and legs around the world, right? And you can kind of dig into that story. And the more you do, the more rewarding it is, I think, to find Alexander. But I found more joy through Alexander as a character than I think any other character in that game this year. Okay, I respect that. That's a good, like I said, man, that's a good choice. Yeah. That's a real good choice. Yeah, everybody remembers Alexander. They do. That's a good choice. Split again. That's okay. Like I said, we're we're pretty much going to have two winners for each category. Yeah, I think so. We will, yeah, we will pretty much have two winners for each category. Um, so the Proto Drakes from Dragonflight and Alexander from Elden Ring, your best companion in a game this year, the Golden Gizmo winners. Congrats to them. Moving on to most surprising game. Um, which I think last year we we determined that it could go in two different directions, right? Either a game that released and took you by surprise because of how good it was, or a game that released and took you by surprise at how bad it was. Yes, I think I. However, you want to define that word "surprising," I think is yes. is fair game. Yeah, here. that's kind of that's kind of where we went. Yeah. Uh, uh, this would be you going first if we're going back and forth. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. I I only have two for this category. I've got three. Okay. I've got three. Uh, number three for me is Pokemon Legends Arceus, Arceus, whatever, however we're going to call it. Uh, okay. I okay. think this was a game that was destined to fail. I, I okay. think, you know, some other studio making a spin-off open world Pokemon game had every reason to fail. It looked goofy. It deviated from the formula in many ways. And I think all of us were pretty low on it when, uh, you know, kind of initially none of us knew how it was going to turn out. And it turns out pretty universally praised. A lot of people loved Pokemon Legends Arceus. Um, I have played through a bit of it. I've not beaten it, but almost universally, like I said, people that played this game enjoyed this game. I know people who 100 percented this game. And so I think 
I was most surprised by this game's success more than anything else. Okay. Number two for me is a game that I thought I was gonna going to enjoy, but not enjoy nearly as much as I did, uh, and that's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Ooh, good choice. Good choice. I knew it was going to be fun because it's a side-scroller, uh, you know, beat-em-up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle game. I did not expect it to be the best side-scroller brawler that I've ever played. And I think it is. Uh, and that's, there's a lot of competition in that genre. And I think yeah. that this is the best one I've ever played. I did play through it multiple times with my kid who absolutely loved it, who still plays it occasionally. I will jump in with him every now and then because I think it's just a fantastic game from start to finish. The soundtrack, the graphics, the action, the boss battles, all the unlockables. There are so many things to do in this game. There's a ton of replay value. I ended up actually really really loving this game it falls in my top five games of the year which i won't go all five later um but i think this is my number five game of the year actually which i didn't expect i think i'm most surprised by how much i loved this game that's that's a good choice man um i didn't have that on my most surprising i do have that a little later um number two for me and one that you know i i was expecting to enjoy it as it was initially announced and throughout the years as we were waiting for it but i didn't no, because a lot of times these types of games, when they come out, it's hit or miss. And I feel like this one really, really knocked it out of the park in terms of its source material and what it was trying to do. And that's Tunic. Mm-hmm. Tunic, you know, obviously being structured similarly to The Legend of Zelda. A lot of these Zelda-like games release and just absolutely suck or fumble things, right? Like they don't feel like what they should. And Tunic feels like it could have been developed by Nintendo, right? Like this feels like a, a tried and true Zelda experience from start to finish, even with aspects of a light and dark world to an extent, right? Like there are, there are aspects of that throughout, um, especially as you get later into the game and you have to go reclaim your powers to fight the final. Like there's a lot of things that Nintendo would have done had this been developed by Nintendo. Instead, it was developed by um, like one dude, right? Andrew right, Sol- right. Uh, Shuldice. Yeah, he's the only guy that, uh, you know, worked on this game, which is impressive that this was a, a one person developed game as well. Um, Tunic really took me by surprise, man. And I think that if, you know, you are looking for a Zelda-like experience in a year that didn't have any Zelda-like experiences, right, from Nintendo, there were no Zelda releases this year. And, I mean, granted, we are getting Tears of the Kingdom next year, which everyone is dying for. But um, Tunic is dope. And Tunic definitely took me by surprise. I knew I was going to like it. I didn't know I was going to like it as much as I did. Uh, you know, and I liked Tunic. I didn't love it as much as everybody else did. I thought it was actually really frustrating in parts. But I respect a lot of the things that Tunic did. I think that the world design was superb. It was in that great. Game. I love that. It was absolutely great in how it was connected together and, and the backtracking that, you know, you would typically see in a Zelda light game. I thought it was handled well. Number one for me. Curious to see what you get here. Is a game I don't think you played, actually. Probably not. But it's Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Did not play that. No, I really need to. Kirby in the Forgotten Land is another game that I think by every metric could have failed, but instead instead ended up being a really, really enjoyable multiplayer 3D platformer that had just really fantastic levels, uh, super great um, soundtrack and gameplay, really fun boss battles. The power ups were awesome. There were levels up level ups for the power ups, um, collectibles in each level, challenges to do lots of replay value, lots and lots of things going on in this game that I, you know, 
nobody expects to love a Kirby game as much as they do, right? Or as much as they did this one, I think. And this this brought Kirby into an entirely new sphere of gameplay that worked swimmingly. I think that Kirby going forward could be the 3D platformer series for Nintendo if they want if they want to keep Nintendo or I'm sorry, keep Mario into kind of the more open world huge level space. Sure, sure, sure. As they did with uh Odyssey. But mm-hmm. I think as that long as Kirby, Chris Pratt becomes the voice, I'm okay with anything. I, 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 Kirby. <gasps> He's just making noises. <laughs> but yeah, that's my number one most surprising game of the year. Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Can't believe okay. how much I like that game. OK. Um, number one for me in most surprising game is going in the opposite direction. So I obviously with my number two and uh, Tunic being something that I thought I was going to like but didn't know how much I was going to enjoy it this is a game that I thought I was going to like but absolutely hated it and it was really surprising to me that I did hate it and we all hated it you probably forgot about this loot river oh my gosh I did forget about that game (laughs) I forgot that game existed dude what a great concept for a game right like a a procedurally generated roguelike everything that you and I love about these style of games right dead cells um Neon White, right? So many of these, not Neon White, uh, Neon Abyss. Yeah. So many of these games we have played throughout the years that we have loved. And this one had such a cool premise with the Tetris-like design, right? Sliding blocks to move and progress forward in the world. And then when I played it, it sucked. Like, it it was absolutely horrid game design. The sliding of the blocks is still cool to solve puzzles. That's probably the best part about Loot River. Yeah. But as you progress into this game and you try to get stronger so that you can progress, the game makes it damn near impossible for you to get stronger. Because in these roguelikes, obviously, as the the idea, right, for for that genre is keep doing runs, getting stronger. And eventually you will get better. You don't have the ability to get stronger in Loot River if you don't complete a run. And the runs are hard. The runs are very hard. But you don't have the ability to get stronger. Like, they they take away everything that you earned, all of the currency to, you know, you have to get to the end to be able to, like, bank your currency to, to utilize it. And I struggled immensely getting to the end. I think I only got there, like, once or twice. And, and that's just, like, the first few areas. I gave up. I got pissed off. I thought I was going to fucking love this game and just be so enveloped by it. And instead, I quickly gave up because of the frustration. And yeah. I was really surprised by that. Man. That's a good pick. I guess congratulations to Loot River for winning an award this year. (laughs) So uh, split again, Loot River, and uh, what did you go with? Kirby. Kirby. That's what it was. Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Next up in our list, we have Best Cinematography and Presentation, which is a new category for us this year. Um, One that I thought of earlier this year because of how impressive games are getting in terms of just feeling like a movie at times. Uh (laughs) And the way that it's presented. Um, I came up with three. I've got four. There, there, I technically have four, but I have not played the fourth. Okay. Um, had What's I played your fourth? The f- 
had I played it, and I only have it at number four because I haven't played it, and I don't know where it would have fallen had I played it, but that would have been Immortality. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I, I don't know where that would slot in had I actually played it yet, but I haven't, so I just put it on my list because I know that it does deserve some praise for its cinematography and presentation with the way that Sam Barlow handled that. Um, number three for me is Horizon Forbidden West. I number think, three again, for me is Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah, there you go. Like Beautiful open vistas. They did a great job with that world, dude. man. Absolutely beautiful. And the, and the costume, the character design, oh. the presentation, cinema, like, it's it's phenomenal. Character Absolutely design is phenomenal. insane in that game. The, all of the enemies, everything about that game is beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And here's where we're going to start getting repetitive. Mm-hmm. Number two for me is Elden Ring. Uh, number two for me is not Elden Ring. I don't have Elden Ring in this list. I actually took it off. Number four for me is Pentiment, by the way. Oh, okay, okay. Have you played that yet? I've, I've booted it up and played a couple minutes, and it's Damn. It's, it's wonderful. I really want to play that. Yep. But, uh, yeah, no, what did you say? Elden Ring number two. Elden Ring number two. Yeah, take take us up to your number two. Oh, it's your number one. It's God of War Ragnarok. Okay, that is my number one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, I mean, Elden Ring, I think, is... Absolutely fantastic. I did take it off the list for a couple of different reasons, but God of War Ragnarok really leaves your jaw dropping just how full these environments are, these these settings. It's really, really something else. Yeah, it feels like a movie. And in so many ways, it feels like a movie. So many of these cutscenes feel like you were just sitting there watching an Amazon Prime video (laughs) adaptation of God of War. We call we called that man. We absolutely called that. Well, my number one's different, and uh, I, you don't have my number one on the list, and I'm a little shocked by that. But my number one is Stray. Ah, uh, okay. I think right. I think St- Stray almost entirely for me was visual presentation. Um, it was. You're there's, absolutely right. There's a little bit of jumping, a little bit of knocking things off of counters, right? But almost entirely, this game is about the world that it puts you in, and it is stunning. It's not entirely open world in many ways but the environments the buildings the characters the other little creatures that you come across in this world I think are unbelievable man and I was blown away playing this game and and what pushed it into number one for me was just how perfectly they nailed the animations for the cat I respect that's a great choice I'm actually a little surprised I had that off my list as well now that you mentioned that um great choice absolute great choice yeah so it was a really a really good year for cinematography oh, and yeah. presentation within video games. A and really that's good only going to get better. As, and as, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. New ideas start happening. We start getting into the deeper technological bits of the PS5 and the Xbox Series X. It's only going to get more and more and more. Yeah. So I'm glad we have this category now because it should be something that is is blatantly obvious moving forward when when these games just really, really feel like you are playing a movie. Right. So really cool. Uh, Most sentimental game. I really always enjoy this category because I love a good sad game. Right. Like. I do too, man. I love, I, I mean, obviously you talked, I, and I know one of the games is going to be on your list because you talked about it earlier um, and, and how it brought you a good cry. Yeah. But number three, I, I technically have three again I on this category. Um, number three for me is A Plague Tale Requiem. That's number three for me. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Obviously a, a very emotional story with Hugo and coming off of the way.
way that Innocence ended, I, I was really excited to see the way that the team took this. And so far, I've been thoroughly enjoyed and choked up in, in many spots already. And I'm Absolutely. still early on. Number two for me is God of War Ragnarok. That's number two for me, Brian. <laughs> Damn. We did it. No, we yeah. didn't do it because your number one's not my number one. It's not. Um, Obviously, God of War Ragnarok, a, a very emotional journey throughout for both Kratos and Atreus, but also for some other characters that you will run into along the way. Um, the end is what really, really pushed us over the edge for me and being a very emotional game. I can't wait for you to get there. Yeah, it, it's again, not much more that can be said, but there is so much heart in this game. The, you know, the character arc of Kratos, I think what they decided to do with him past the original three God of War games going into these two. I think it's just I mean that is beautiful character development that absolutely I mean it's second to none absolutely which takes us to my number one and I already know your number one my number one is Citizen Sleeper I've talked yeah. about it enough yeah. so what do you yeah. got Stray okay I think Stray was way more emotional for me than I ever expected it to be um, obviously playing as a cat that, you know, very early on in the first 10 minutes of the game gets separated from his companions, falls down this, you know, fucking well, more or less, and lands in a world that he injures himself and can't. And, and by the way, the the moments when the cat, I was torn up and the moments where the cat was actually injured and limping around and yeah. meowing and yeah. like you would go forward and just collapse like that, that. That that really made me. So I'm a big animal person. I have two cats of my own and and. A dog. Um, I, I I I like animals more than I like people. Sure. So Stray to me was was really emotional in that regard because of the way the the cat faced its tribulations throughout, right, and its trials throughout. Um, but also the way that the people for lack of a better way to call them, right? Because they were robots, more or less, but they were also the citizens of the underground area that you were going to. Mm -hmm. The way that they lived their quote-unquote lives and the way that the the team made them feel human, I thought was really emotional. Um, so much so that even, what was the name of your companion? The little, uh, like the... Oh, the, the little guy. robot fella? Yeah, the, the little... Uh, yeah, I, forget I can't what remember was. what it was called. But um, that companion that you find... Who also probably would have made a good choice for companion, best companion this year. I think would would probably have fit. Yeah. Um Definitely. But the, the way that you interact with him throughout and when you find out who he actually was when he was alive and not a robot um, and the way that his story comes to an end really, really choked me up, man. And the ending of this game, the way that you progress out of the area that you're in, this ended up being something that I wasn't expecting. Um, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you had it for cinematography and presentation. We also probably could have put it in most surprising game, I think. Stray could fit in a lot of places but for me it tops the sentimental award this year that's a that's a good pick i gosh i really i really enjoyed that game me too me too uh can't stop won't stop an award we've been doing for a few years now where we give praise to games that we just cannot put down uh you already know one of the games on my list i have three i have three okay uh this would be you going first i think this time yeah uh number three for me a game that i do still play sometimes uh usually with my kids at this point but it's multiverses 
Okay. Okay. I uh, I do still hop into some short matches here and there with my kids. Um, I have a ton of fun with it. Honestly, when we do play, I think it was a really good idea. It was not the revolutionary brawler that I think I wanted, but I played it for a long time when it initially dropped. Um, and I'm and I enjoy it. Right for what it is, I enjoy it. Number three for me is MLB The Show 22. Ay ay ay. This this guy here he comes. This game will always be in my can't stop won't stop. I know. Um, whatever year it is, whatever it comes. Just wait till NCAA football 24 comes out. That will top my can't stop, won't stop for the year that year. <laughs> but because uh, I fucking love the the college football video games. But right. MLB The Show has really, really gotten a big place in my heart over the last few years. Um, I put so much time into 22 this year. Absolutely love that series. Number number two for me, a game that I didn't expect to be on this list uh, is on this list. And I don't think is going anywhere anytime soon. But that's Overwatch 2. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I I still have so many gripes with this game. Uh, Winton. So, Winton. Winton. Overwatch. Winton. I, you know, I, I have so many gripes <laughs> with this game about how they've monetized it, how they decided to do it, um, how the PVE is missing in action, how, oh, there's so many things that I, that I dislike about it. And yet I'm playing it and people I know are playing it and I'm jumping in and playing with them fairly regularly. And I think that will... As long as they continue to play, I will continue to play. Now, if all my friends stop playing, there's a good chance I stop. But if they keep playing, I'm going to keep playing because I'm enjoying it at least enough for that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Number two for me is the game I put the most amount of time into in terms of a classic game this year. And you saw that in the PlayStation stats when they released and I posted it. And that's Elden Ring. Yeah. I put so many hours, 135 hours into Elden Ring this year. That's, that's, you know what? That, that's admirable. Couldn't put it down. I don't, I don't blame it you. Down. Well, and once I got into it, I couldn't either, right? <laughs> so... Right. Um, number one for me is uh, probably your number one as well. Am I am I wrong? That depends on what it is. It's World of Warcraft. Yeah. Wrath yeah. of Lich King Classic. Yeah, <laughs> sir. <laughs> and uh, yep. we're on we're on multiple times a week and we're running dungeons and we're running yeah. raids as a group and we've got new raids coming. And as long as those new raids keep coming, we'll be there. We will keep playing. Yeah. So yeah. this this will continue through next year as well. I will. I have no plans of stopping my subscription at this point. And uh, I'm very excited for the next set of raids to come out. Sean is about to join the group. He's getting there. He's getting close I can't to 80. Believe, I can't believe he did it. I can't believe he did it. Yep. They said it couldn't be done. It. He usually gives up by now, but he's still going. He got cold weather flying last night. He's zooming around Northrend. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we have one winner. That's good for Can't Stop, Won't Stop. We have very World of Warcraft, good, yeah. Wrath of the Lich King Classic. Very nice. Very nice. Um, unfortunately, in terms of time, we are going to have to pick up the pace a little bit because I do want to give a few minutes for Game of the Year. Yes. So these next four awards, we are going to have to just briefly touch on. And it, and that's and it helps that that's we've okay. talked about them before, right? Yes. We're, like yes. you said, we're getting into repetitive territory a little bit. So yes. So we are we are just going to quickly announce our winners for these for these categories, just to save time for Game of the Year. Best indie game this year i went with chained echoes oh man i still haven't started it and i'm on my way i i gotta get into it um, i mean we obviously we just talked about it right and seven i went in depth with it on the episode that just posted before this one really 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 great game give it a shot for me uh i've got neon white at three cult of the lamb at two but number one what else can be said citizen sleeper okay i had cult of the lamb at three shredder's revenge at two if we're talking very good yeah if, if i give the other yeah very good and, and i'm not i I didn't put... 
In indie also is kind of an ambiguous title, right? Because it is. Yeah. What's so, an indie game anymore? Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't put Shutter's Revenge in the indie category, though it though it, it definitely could have. Sure. Sure. Um, okay. So uh, did you say Citizen Sleeper or Citizen Neon? Sleeper? Yep. Okay. Yep. So Citizen Sleeper number one for you. Che Deco's number one for me. Best voice acting in a game. Um, I only listed one. Actually, I know there's probably several that I could have put in here, but I only put one. And that is who I wanted to win at the Game Awards. Uh-huh. Sonny Suljic playing Atreus okay. in God of War Ragnarok. He blew me away, man. He's really good. He's really good. And I'm so happy they kept the same Atreus from the previous game. They can continue if yes. they decide to continue that character story. Like, because as Atreus gets older, Sonny Suljic gets older. Like, it just makes sense. For me, this is the one I actually wanted to win. And that's Man Engage from Immortality. See, I would have had her on my list had I played that game. I know yeah. you would have. She puts out an unbelievable performance in that game. And, uh, I mean, is the reason that you play the game really at, Absolutely. at a certain point. She's really, really phenomenal. Yeah, so, okay, well. Uh, two winners there, Sonny Suljic, Man Engage. I think both well-deserved. Uh, both probably would have given a quicker speech at the Game Awards than Christopher Judge did. I think so. Um, <laughs> but shout out to Christopher Judge as Kratos as well, because my God, does he kill He made my Ragnarok. short list. Yeah, he absolutely kills it in Ragnarok. Um, and, you know, shout out to Plague Tale, right? They got some good voice acting in there, too. Uh, number three on my list, Charlotte McBurney. Yep. Uh, most innovative game design. I came up with three. I've got three. Number, th- number three for me was Cult of the Lamb. Cool. And the way that it combined, you know, the the town building with roguelite, with sim, you know, a lot of a oh, lot yeah. of different genres coming together here with Cult of the Lamb. That and I thought it worked was really so cool. good. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Number two for me was Stray in the way that they built that game design around the traversal of the cat, which you've already talked about. And number one for me, my most innovative game design this year is something that I think, you know, will will set the precedent moving forward for these types of games. And that's Elden Ring. Yeah. I, you know, I, I really considered putting Elden Ring on the list because I do think it was incredibly innovative um, in the way that it brought Dark Souls, you know, Bloodborne style gameplay into an open world. Um, but I didn't put it on my list. Good. Number three for me is The Last of Us Part One. And Ooh, OK. And just how much accessibility options they put into that game, I thought was unbelievable, unprecedented and uh, good for them. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's incredible to do things like that. Uh, number two for me, Immortality. I've okay. never played a game like Immortality. Um, okay. And I don't you're think finally, I ever you're will finally, again. finally finding some love for Sam Barlow. Now you yeah. got to go back and check out uh, her story and telling lies. I know. But, uh, but I got to tell you, I, I don't think I'll ever play a game like this again. The way that I and again, I've talked to you about it. There are things that go on in this game that are way deeper than it seems. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. it's it's pretty wild. Uh, but number one for me is a game that I have poured so many hours into. I still, gosh, I can't believe I didn't put this on Can't Stop, Won't Stop. I should have, but it's Vampire Survivors. Ah, yeah, the new genre. It's, 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 I've never played a game like it. I, I there will be a thousand games like it in the future. I, I'm not sure that it invented this genre, but it's the one that put it in the public consciousness. And yeah. it was, I still jump into that game from time to time and absolutely love it. It's short little games. So goofy, so much fun. Vampire Survivors, numero uno for me. All right. I like it. I like it Gosh, a lot. I, sh- I should have put that into Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Yeah, you probably should have. <laughs> 
Over multiverses, probably. Yeah, probably. Um, Thunderdome Award, our favorite Thunderdome winner from 2022. We had four of them. We had Horizon Forbidden West, Chrono Cross, The Radical Dreamers Edition, The Legend of Heroes, Trolls from Zero, and A Plague Tale Requiem. My favorite Thunderdome winner this year, it's Trails from Zero. Mine's mine's A Plague Tale Requiem. It's the one I feel (laughs) best about. Yeah. I, I know you were a little upset with Seven Eye getting Trails from Zero all the way to number one. Was upset. You I'm better upset. get used to it. Trails to Azure gonna be number one in Q1 2023. <laughs> no way. No way. Yeah, probably not. Not 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 again. But um you know, Trails from Zero, I have sunk so many hours into that. I've not finished it yet, but it has been an absolute blast finally getting to play these games that have been out in Japan for so long, but never released over here. I, I really enjoyed Trails from Zero, have been enjoying it, continue to enjoy it to this day, still jump into it from time to time at night when I only have like an hour or two to sink into a game. I'll just load this one up. Um, yeah, that's my favorite one this year. Yeah, uh, Plague Tale Requiem is uh, the only one out of these three that I actually enjoyed. So These four. These four, excuse me, compared to the other three. Yeah, this is the one that I enjoyed for with with. I know you. I know you want to forget about Trails from Zero, but it's still there. Trust it's me, it's still there. Yeah, it's still there. It's still there. Uh, which takes us to our game of the year, our our ultimate award, and the one that I am most excited to to pass out this year. And obviously, we are going to differ on this one too. Uh, we already know that because I feel like everybody already knows what our yes. winners are for yeah, we've talked about it this yeah. year. We've, we've talked about it. We've been talking about it for several weeks now. Uh, in my number three spot, as my honorable mention, um, is Horizon Forbidden West still. Uh, I, I, again, the narration, the story, everything coming together in that game. Uh, I really, really did enjoy Forbidden West, and I'm looking forward to what that series has in the future. Yeah, I've got Citizen Sleeper in my number three, and uh, man, it's a it's a game that's gonna stick with me, man. It's it's just so good, and I I keep trying to get people to play this game. <laughs> I just I will. I wish I, I wish more people will. would play it because I just think it's it's absolutely superb. I still will play it. Trust me. Uh, number two for me is, is my number one. Is your number one, which yeah. is Elden Ring. Yeah. And your number two is my number one. Then that's got a War Ragnarok, right? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And and gosh, you know, it's both of these games. Like I said. 10 out of 10. I think, yeah, I we, think we've talked about this in several places, right? During the game awards uh, last week, I think even, you know, when we were talking about the, the recap of the game awards, when you and I sat down, we talked about it in the media files episode uh, that we did on, on our best video games of the year. Right. If anyone went back and listened to that before listening to this, we already sort of gave this category away. Right. And, you know, I think, I think when it, when we talk about this, right. And you have God of War above Elden Ring and me vice versa Elden Ring came I knew it would be good but it came as such a big surprise that I loved it as much as I did Right, because right. I have played Soulsborne games before and did not entirely correct. With yeah, it. you've given up on this, certain ones like Bloodborne, this hook, line, and sinker. And I th- and I think it brought people like myself, like Sean, you know, into the genre that otherwise may not have you know found a ton of enjoyment in games like this. But the way that the world was connected, the overall environments, the diversity of enemies and bosses, the different builds that you can make, all of the weapons all of the armor uh, the relationships with the characters I mean I think it just did so so much and it's not about the narrative that's being told in the game it's about the narrative that you make for your character right there are so many little right. stories and tales from my journey in Elden Ring that were not scripted but were so important to my making my memory of the game God of War Ragnarok obviously incredible 
obviously incredible. But those memories are scripted. Sure, to an right? extent. And with Elden Ring. A lot Ring, more scripted than Elden Ring. And you know what? I think I think something that pushes Elden Ring over the top for me, and it's, it's a little thing, it's a small thing, but when you're connected to the internet and you can read people's messages on the ground. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Right? Okay. There yeah. was so much that that did for the overall feel of the game. People leading you into traps, people trying to trick you into hitting walls, people, you know, I mean, so many little things in that game that I didn't expect. I was surprised constantly playing Elden Ring. I was just, every dungeon, every little thing that I found, and it leads you so effortlessly, you know, it makes you feel intelligent because you're like, oh, I found this. Well, no, the game led you into it. You just didn't realize that. And so it's 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 just a, a, a master class of world building, I think. And I think in, in terms of the same lines, God of War Ragnarok does things similarly. And you will you will tend to notice this as you get near the tail end of the game. Um, you get a lot more out of it if you do backtrack and visit areas that right. the game oh, isn't telling you to yeah. go to. You will find characters that you've interacted with that kind of, you know, change their dialogue because the world has kind of changed and right. things have changed in it. And it's really cool getting to stumble upon these things that, you know, you weren't led to. There was nothing telling you to go there. It's just, it's for you to discover. And if you discover it, that's badass. Um, God of War Ragnarok has a lot of that. Ended up being, you know, I I thought for the longest time Elden Ring was going to be my game of the year. But then as we started seeing more and more of Ragnarok and, and I started playing more and more of it and getting further into it, realizing how much was poured into this narrative and how much Santa Monica put in here, it did end up edging out Elden Ring um, because Elden Ring, while it was super innovative, while it definitely opened up Soulsborne, that formula to a completely new audience, Sev playing these games for like the first time is fucking impressive to me. Um, something about Ragnarok, man, like in terms of an overall experience, that's where my heart went at the end of this year. I love it. I love it. I, and I'm, I'm so deep into it and I'm, I'm pushing forward. I can't wait to finish it because I, I do want to see everything that this game has to offer. And again, one of those games that's easy to a hundred percent. It's not, it's not a chore to go back and get a hundred percent in this game because everything they've put in it is so much fun. And it's not missable. Nothing is missable after, after the game, you know, credits roll, you can still get the platinum, which is what I did. I got the platinum after I beat the game. So what a great year 2022 ended up being for video games. Yeah. So many great things. Obviously, if you want to hear more about that, you can go check out the Media Files episodes that you and I did um, recently on our best, you know, video games of 2022 or our favorite things, right? And that line of stuff for the Media Files. Um, Really cool episode we did. We talked for a little over a half hour on that. But I think this awards went really well in terms of the way we handled it this year and ultimately coming down to Elden Ring and God of War Ragnarok is our two personal favorite games of the year i think that's the right call co-champions co-champions for 2022 and we ended up going a full length episode on just those uh those 12 categories which is it. good yeah yeah so we, we don't even need to do the the kickstarter that i found because it's not that great anyway and we could just close it on out and bring it to the end and you know how to do that it's an award ceremony and it wouldn't be an award we didn't have anyone crash the stage but you know what is going to crash the stage is the pp you know what we put 
a lot of work into a lot of these end of year episodes for the media files. Uh, like Brian just said, we did do an episode on the video games, our favorite video games of the year. I will be doing an episode on our favorite television and movies of the year and an episode on our favorite songs of the year with different guests, plus a special bonus Christmas episode coming up where we act like goofballs for about a half hour. Those are always <laughs> so much fun for me to do and kind of hard for Brian to edit, but it's okay. They are there. I think that they're fun. They're there's something to change up the formula a little bit. Uh, and plus a couple of regular episodes coming up where we talk about things like Pinocchio and pretty soon Glass Onion. So stay tuned to those. Go listen to those year of end episodes, those year end episodes, because we actually really do put a ton of effort, a ton of time and a lot of thought into how we format these things. So go listen to those, please. This episode of the Max Level Podcast has been brought to you by RPGera.com. Please remember to leave us a rating and a review regardless of where you're listening. If you want more of us, check us out on YouTube and Twitch and make sure you're subscribed or following at both places with notifications on. Links to where we can be found on social media as well as to our Discord server and all other important information can be found in the show notes for this episode. 